630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, I hope your Friday is just simply glorious. Dave Campbell in about 90 seconds, but former D-man Mark is very anxious to talk to me. Mark, go ahead. Hey, Reed. I was told I have very little amount of time, so I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. Uh, no, I was calling in regard to the, uh, the NHL uh, negotiations. And, um, you know, the players, uh, when they uh, signed on to the CBA and they took 50%, uh, they became, in essence, quasi-business owners. And uh, when you demand your salary without, uh, without um, putting in the same amount of work, your, your attitude is really no, no different than an employee, uh, and an entitled employee at that. Uh, the reality of their situation is that if there is no money to pay them, they're not going to get paid. So, in essence... If they play half the games, they're going to have to accept the fact that they're going to get half the salary. And the reality of that is that's based on that's based on revenues being pre-COVID. The reality is revenues are not going to be pre-COVID. They're going to be less than pre-COVID. So if they can come out of that with 50% of what the regular salary is, assuming they play half the games, I'd say they've gotten off pretty darn well. Um, you know, it's, it's either that or they... They don't play, and then they get no salary. What I'm curious about, though, is if there is no season here, does that burn a year of everyone's contract, Reed? We don't know. That's what we have to find out, and that's what we're still waiting to figure out about the Canadian Football League as well. You make some really interesting points, Mark. I'm going to discuss that a bit with Dave, man. Thanks for checking in, and I hope you're doing well, okay? I'm doing great. You too, Reed. Right on. That's former D-man Mark, who is a uh, frequent contributor to the show through uh, texting and calling. As we bring in Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, you, you know the it's and I and I heard somebody text into Bob's show and said, "Well, I'm, I'm sick of these uh, these uh, mil- billionaire owners and uh, and and millionaire players squabbling like babies." You know, I don't really look at it that way anymore, Dave. I, I mean, look, we know that. Um, we know entertainers get paid well. It's not just athletes. Uh, it's hockey players. It's football players. It's musicians. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's actors. And I, I I totally understand Mark's argument about prorating, but that's not going to happen. I mean, they, they might only get a portion of their salary, but they're deferring some of it. They mm-hmm. will likely lose the escrow. But also, you know, if, if Tom Cruise signs uh, a movie deal to start a movie for $20 million – and he shows up on day one and they say, sorry, Tom, we're actually going to pay you 15. He probably walks off the set, even though that's still a hell of a lot of money. So, you know, I, I, I kind of see it. I, I kind of see it from both ways. But I mean, the NHL, uh, but the one thing that I think Mark nailed is, you know, the money's not going to be there. So how do they, how is everybody trying to minimize their losses here? Yeah. And if, if, if there is no season, the business becomes worse. So I think that's why the players are going to uh, play and they're going to probably not have a very good feeling about what they have to do. Um, and, uh, you know, back to what you say about, you know, hey, these greedy billionaire owners. Well, it, I think it's hard for us to understand money at that level, but it's still, it's still the same thing as a business losing money. It, it's just at an exponentially higher 
uh, dollar amount than we could ever, ever fathom. The NHL is a hurting business right now, just like the four the, the or the three other major sports in North America. The NHL, it's worse because 50 to 60% of their revenue is, is through gate. It's through, it's through ticket sales. It's through people in the stands. Um, and they get obviously money from off their TV deals and all that, but they're not as, they're not as rich like the NFL who get what, 250, 60 million dollars each team before they sell one ticket. So that that's incredible. But if, the players are asked to defer their salaries. And I think you have talked about this the last couple of nights. I know Bob has on his show. If it's a deferral, it's a better situation for the players. Escrow is a terrible word for players, but they're, they're stakeholders with the league. They wanted revenue sharing. They're in it 50, 50. They have to understand how the business is operating right now. You're going to have a flat cap for, who knows how long, two, three, four years, hopefully no no longer maybe, than maybe, that. Time. Maybe beyond though, Dave, maybe beyond yeah. four years. So if you're a player, you got to understand the business that you can't get what you want and you can't retain what you thought you could retain. And I think that has to be communicated to the players. Uh, and I think they have to understand, well, it's being communicated. They have to understand it. I mean, if they don't play, the business is going to be worse off because then you don't have TV money. You don't have sponsorship revenue that you could draw off of. So they're going to play. There's no question. And it's terrible that it has to be this way that you have to, no one wants to give up more money, but it's better. We all know it's better if the NHL plays. It's better that any other sport plays. That's why, you know, the NBA players, uh, just quickly, they didn't want to start December 22nd. They wanted to start, I believe, in the middle of January. But then the union comes to the players and says, if we don't start on December 22nd, we're going to lose this much money. Uh-huh. Th- this is money you will not have ever if we start in mid-January. So begrudgingly, the players, because they were going to lose so much, that's why they're starting December 22nd. And that's why I think the January 1st date will not go away easily. I'm going, how can they play January 1st? I think maybe January 15th is more realistic, but I think it's just what you lose uh, monetarily for the players if you lose those two weeks instead of playing those two weeks somehow. Well, and the one thing, and and Elliot wrote this, and, and you know I've emphasized it, that escrow is much worse than a deferral for the players. Yes. Because a deferral technically they're entitled to that. Now, if revenue keeps dropping, it still could affect that, but the escrow is likely going to be gone because the escrow is to allow for an adjustment in terms of what the actual revenue turns out to be relative to the projection. So that's why out of those two proposals from earlier this week, the one that is increased the expo, the, the escrow was less appetizing though, though the players didn't, uh, didn't like either one. So that's the story to follow in the NHL. Uh, the CFL, what, what are you hearing, David? What are you gleaning about whether or not this year will count as uh, a contract year in the Canadian football league? Cause Randy didn't totally say either way when he was on with me the other night. I spoke with a prominent CFL agent this morning, asked him the question. He says, 2020 will be a burned year. So that will create chaos again and excitement and intrigue at free agency time in the middle of February, whenever that date will be set. So um, it's not going to be a carryover year. It's not going to be the worst case scenario, which is you know triggering, triggering a clause in the CBA that if there's a delay or a stoppage, that that would eliminate everyone's contract and you'd have just, it would be massive chaos. Like I said, a few weeks ago, it'd be like a video game. You know, you're fantasy drafting your, your roster on, 
you know, NHL, EA, NHL, uh, whatever it is, and Madden and all that other stuff. So it will be a burned year. And I, when I looked at the list, and I kind of said, I better sit down for this before I start writing it. There's a lot of prominent names uh, on the uh, on the Edmonton football team that are due to become pending free agents. Uh, Kwaku Boateng, Amondo Sewell. Uh, you have Greg Ellingson. You have uh, Justin Tuggle, who was just signed as the middle linebacker to replace Larry Dean uh, in free agency. Hasn't played it down yet. Sir Vincent Rogers hasn't played it down yet. He's due to go to free agency. Uh, their quarterbacking, uh, or their, their quarterback death it might get hit here uh, because Logan Kilgore, Antonio Pipkin are due to become free agents. And they already lost uh, Troy Williams, who who opted out to uh, pursue NFL opportunities. The kicking game read, both Sean White and Hugh O'Neill are due to become free agents. Um, there's a lot here. Terry Williams, who was going to factor big time in the offense and in their kick return game. Shaq Cooper as well. Uh, Vontae Diggs. Uh, Tanner Green, who was going to be the replacement for uh, Calvin McCarty. Matt O'Donnell. Uh, Tommy Drayheim. Colin Kelly on the offensive line. It is a long, long list. Uh, Tavon Smith. I'm just bouncing around here because I, you know, didn't put everything in order. Um, now, you know, the likes of Jordan Hoover, who you had on last hour, uh, Matthew Betts, Mike Moore, Ryan King, Jacob Ruby, Ricky Collins Jr., Brian Walker, David Beard, uh, Jonathan Mincy, and Trevor Harris. They're all locked in. But that's a long list of free agents for the Double E, and that's going to be a long list of free agents for other teams as well. So 2020 is a burned year. Okay, interesting. So, wow. uh, all right, yeah. So that means we go through free agency, I guess, likely in uh, in February. Dave, can you hang on the line? Because I want to get into uh, just some other stuff too in a couple minutes. For sure. Dave Campbell checking in on Inside Sports. Way back for Green and Gold Grey Cup Week between 7.30 and 8. Bill Smith will be on the show. Yes, that Bill Smith used to be the mayor of Edmonton. He played defensive back for the Green and Gold in 1956, the third of their three in a row, spent several more seasons with the team. So we are going to be able to touch on that era of football here in the city. Dave Campbell's on the line, our Eskimos analyst for our broadcast here on 6.30 Jet, the producer of this show schedules out today dave and uh you know we, we had indications randy wanted to move it in this direction uh depending on what team you are in the west an extra game or two within the division for the green and gold that turns out to be uh two extra games they go from 10 to 12 they now play everybody in the west three times each yeah, I, I like it. Uh, and obviously, because of the pandemic, there's uh, emphasis on less travel. So, you know, obviously, the, the, this is a, a schedule, I think, that the uh, that the E will like. Um, and one thing I look to, Reed, is that there's a lack of short weeks. I think they only counted two, and that includes the, uh, the uh, Labor Day uh, Classic to the rematch game. So, um, overall, let's just, let's just be 
frank about this. this. This is a schedule that is written in pencil right now because this could change. The, the number of games could change. The start date could change. I mean, the, uh, the uh, E is still scheduled to play. Everyone's still scheduled to play two preseason games, which surprises me a little bit, but I think that's just, you know, that's just a product of that's how they've always done it. Uh, so May 29th and June 4th at home to the Stampeders on the road to the Lions home opener against the Riders on June 12th. Uh, three back-to-back situations uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers week six and seven, the Riders weeks uh, seven or six and no, three and four, sorry, uh, for the Bombers, six and seven for the Stampeders and they got the, or the uh, Riders and then the traditional Labor Day uh, series with the Stampeders. So, um, but obviously this is a schedule and Randy Ambrosi referenced it as well, that this is a schedule that could change depending on, what happens with uh, COVID-19 the the vaccine talk just you know it, it just keeps coming up Reed I mean Randy has brought it up many times I spoke to a president and a GM this week who kept bringing it up as well um, it's uh, it's something that the league is hanging a lot of their hopes on which I think is I understand why because they of course want fans in the stands and I think having an 18 game schedule, at least you have something to work with. So it's probably too early to talk to government and health authorities about the, the, the prospects of bringing in fans, even on a limited basis, but at least you have something to work with when the time is right, when we probably get to the, you know, late winter, early spring time period. So they have something in their hand. And I think that's very important. Uh, Chris president, uh, Chris Preston, president and CEO of the team said, we need to get something to our fans, to our stakeholders, to our sponsors. And uh, the fact that the divisional matchups are emphasized, the natural rivalries are going to come back. So they have something to work with. And I think that's very important. Yeah. It's nice to see the, uh, put it out and it, it is interesting. Yeah, I'm, not happy. Talk- I'm not good. I, I'm not just quickly. I'm not happy about not going to Montreal, but, but that's, well, didn't they close the Barbie barn? Didn't the Barbie barn, wasn't it a, uh, a victim of the yes, pandemic? There, yeah. There's well, still a great food Barbie city, though. There's barn location open, but I don't know how far away it is from downtown Montreal. So, yes. Oh, there is another one there? 20. There is another one, yeah. So, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I'm sure Morley and I would be, in, you know, intuitive enough to try and find it, you know. So, <laughs> but no Montreal trip this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Yeah. But- disappointing but whatever it's uh it's disappointing for sure uh okay Mm -hmm. well uh bill smith is coming up how how, what if i mean we've been reflecting a lot do you have a favorite great cup memory or moment for the green and gold or just like i i think the best game all time that i've seen uh, Mm. either in television or in person is either 05 or 89 and i'd have to give it to 05 because my favorite team won yeah Uh, but 89 was uh it was a classic 05 was memorable for me just because of the flack Ricky Ray took going into that game. He had gone into that game not throwing a touchdown pass in seven straight games. He got pulled the two previous games for Jason Moss, who was the backup, in Calgary against the Stampeders in the West Semi and in BC against the Lions. Remember, the Lions that year went 11-0 and to start the season until they came to Edmonton and lost to the uh, to the Edmonton football team. And then they only won one of their last eight games. But Ricky Ray came in in, uh, in the 2005 breakup, had a tremendous game, and a game that was a tough start, too. I think it was 10-1, the lead for the the uh, then Eskimos in the at halftime and then it just really opened up for both teams and we'll never forget third and four Ricky Ray to Mookie Mitchell to set up the uh 
uh, a key touchdown and then Ray to Tucker again. And then Sean Fleming boots the winner in in in, uh, in overtime, and then the Eskimos find a way to stop the uh, stop the Alouettes on their drive. Uh, but just the redemption, and not the redemption, but just the way Ricky Ray fought the critics, because there were plenty, there were plenty of critics that wanted Jason Moss to start all the way. But Danny Machocha stuck to his guns, and then had head coach and. Ricky Ray had a fantastic game and was the MVP. The other game I'll bring up, and I love redemption stories, um, I think about 86 to 87, and Giz talked about that earlier in the week. I think about, uh, uh, I think about, oh, uh, sorry, um, 0203, that's where I want to go. 02, the, the Edmonton football team loses at home to the Alouettes, playing on an icy, cold, uh, terrible field at the, at Commonwealth, and then they came back the next year, played the exact same team in Regina at Old Mosaic, and crushed them. Absolutely crushed them. I know the score probably doesn't reflect that, but we saw Ray to Tucker come to life, and I think that might be my favorite Grey Cup, just because the Alouettes, man, they were cocky. They were a cocky group. Of course, Don Matthews, the late Don Matthews, was the head coach. He put a rookie in. He, he put he put two rookies in. Two. <laughs> on the corner big mistake uh and the es- the eskimos then just took what all that swagger and rammed it right back down their throat and i think that's the beauty of football when you can do that so 03 will be special 05 will be special for me um and the greatest play in great cup history the giz 114 yard field goal return i can't believe how fast he is or how fast he was when I look at that. I mean, it was ridiculous how quick he was at midfield. And once he was at midfield and made the cut to go to the left, uh, he was gone, man. But it's been a fun week. And for a week where we haven't don't have a great cup game to talk about or a festival, the CFL has done a great job. And I think this has been such an entertaining week on Inside Sports to just listen back to all the memories. It's been great. And we're getting... You're listening to Green and Gold Grey Cup Week on 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Man, it's been a privilege to talk to so many great champions with the Edmonton football team this week. Brian Kelly, Gizmo Williams, Kenny Stafford, Adarius Bowman, Hugh Campbell, Dave Cutler have all joined us this week. And tonight, we welcome to Inside Sports a former defensive back with the Edmonton football team and a former mayor of Edmonton. It is Bill Smith on the line. Bill, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing fine, Reed. Good to hear from you. Well, it's very nice to speak with you. So thanks for making time for us. And, uh, man, oh, man, I don't know where to begin with you because you have, you've had an interesting life and, and a great football career. I, I'm going to go back to that. Uh, b- before you, you started playing for the team that, that was known as the Eskimos at the time. What was your, your football or your athletic background? Well, uh, of course, like everybody else, I played hockey and uh, uh, high school football and uh, junior football, and uh, then they then pro with the Eskimos. So, but it was really funny uh, back uh, in my junior days. <clears throat> I was probably uh, more leaning towards hockey, but uh, in those days, uh, you had to make a decision. Uh, either to play football or hockey. They wouldn't let you play both. And if you remember, Jerry James of the, uh, 
Winnipeg Blue Bombers was the first guy to challenge that because he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he was the one that broke that rule. But uh, so anyway, I made a decision to uh, play football and uh, ended up with the Eskimos. Now, at that time, and you're, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm just kind of going off sort of what I know. <laughs> but did, did, you, did your rights automatically belong to the double E because you were an Edmontonian or was there a draft? Like, how did you join the team? You know, what happened with, with me is that uh, playing junior football for the Edmonton Wildcats and uh, I got invited out uh, first year by Daryl Royal, who was the coach, and uh, uh, some of the junior football players got invited to go to camp. And uh, I went to camp for uh, one year. The next year I went to camp again, and uh, I made the team in 1956. And, um, but uh, the coach then was Pop Ivy. And he said, Bill, you know, you're not going to make the starting lineup in the first year, but I want to send you to London. And I said, Coach, I've never played soccer in my life. And he said, no, no, London Lords. (laughs) Now, at that time, uh, there was the ORFU, uh, and London was a brand-new team in that league. And so the Eskimos... Uh, I got paid from the ESCO as they signed me and farmed me out to uh, the London Lords. And I played there one year. And uh, as it turned out, I came back to the Eskimo camp. And the uh, Indian Jack Jacobs was the coach of the London Lords. And he came out as a guest coach. And he was the one that uh, said to to, uh, Pop Ivy, listen, this guy is better as a defensive back and that's opened my career for me so i was i had uh, uh eight years with the eskimos and it was really great did you play offense as well well i started I, you know i came out of junior football as an offensive guy but uh, when i got to london what happened uh, one of their defensive backs broke his arm so they stuck me in. I'd never played the position before, but I did okay, and I played both ways uh, at London. And so, like I said, when uh, Jack Jacobs was the guest coach, he said to Ivy, listen, this guy can play defensive back. He's really good at it. So uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that probably set me up for my career with the Eskimos. So what was it like joining a team that, that, you know, well, I guess, you know, you were kind of in camp when they went on to win, but then, um, you know, they've been able to win a couple great cups and then, and then you join that, you join that squad. What was it like kind of fitting in with an already championship group? Well, you know, it was really great for me because the, uh, uh, I had actually gone to two of their camps in a row. I was still, uh, and when I made the team, I was still uh, eligible to play for the Wildcats. And so going then going to uh, London, uh, it gave me a lot of experience. And so when I came back, I knew most of the players on the Eskimos. So, you know, kind of walking in the dressing room for the first time can be kind of overwhelming for a young guy. But I knew them for two years. So it was a easy transition for me. 
Bill Smith joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports Green and Gold Grey Cup Week. Uh, uh, did you get, do you have a championship ring from '56, or what do you have? I, yes, uh, because I, I got paid by the Eskimos as on the team, but I didn't play in the '56 Grey Cup. But uh, of course, I got to play in 1960 in a Grey Cup, and uh, that was uh, that was a tough year. And during the playoffs, I. I uh, uh, dislocated my wrist and broke my arm, and uh, but they put a cast on it, and uh, I did play in the Grey Cup in 1960 with this huge cast on my arm. <laughs> but that was we played Ottawa, and that was uh, we lost the game. We well, yeah, so I, I, I see players doing that. Those, you know, they'll, it looks like they have a big club on their arm sometimes with that cast. And I wonder, like, A, how they lift it, and B, what it's like for the guy they're lining up against to put, go up against the cast. <laughs> well, they, they, you know, the referees made, uh, made the team uh, put a bunch of foam on it. So it looked even twice as big as it actually was. And, uh, but you know, back in those days, that would never happen today. But in those days, you know, they kind of did things to fix you up so you could play. Uh, normally, they probably wouldn't have let me play. But I was so determined that I, you know, I thought I want to play in a Grey Cup. This might you might never get another chance. And so. Uh, uh, I convinced Eagle Keys at that time that I could uh, still play, and I did. Uh, one of your teammates, uh, Jackie Parker, remembered as one of the all-time greats, not just in Edmonton, but for the league. And I know there were a lot of great players from that era. There's not a lot of ton of video. You can go watch his fumble return from 54 uh, on YouTube with some grainy, grainy footage. Um, could you just kind of maybe share some memories of Jackie and what, a great player he was. I don't know if there's a comparable nowadays to Jackie or not, but what can you say? Well, you know, what he was was a complete player. He wasn't the greatest passer. He wasn't the greatest runner. He wasn't the greatest defensive back. But you know what? He was really good at all of them. And what he what he was was a leader. And that's what showed up in the dressing room, on the field, in practice, continually, this guy was the leader. And he could do anything. He wasn't the best place kicker, but he could. He was a place kicker. He wasn't the best field goal kicker, but he could kick them. And he played quarterback. He played halfback. And he was a defensive back at the, and played all those positions in those years. But uh, what I remember most about Jack was the fact that uh, a leader on and on and off the field, and uh, he was, in my mind, the most complete athlete that I've ever played with or seen. Yeah, well said. Okay, I got to ask you this question, Bill. Um, you, Don Getty, uh, Peter Lougheed, uh, you know Normie Kwong though I guess kind of a different path. What was with all these players from around that era who wound up being involved in politics? You know, I was telling this story to uh, a mayor one time, and, and when I was mayor, and I said, you know what? We're the only province where we had a lieutenant governor, a premier twice, 
and a mayor once. That's never happened in Canadian history to all play for the Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> so but were you... Like would you who 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 was was did one of you guys spark it? Did, like were you always interested in it when you played? I'm I'm just I'm just curious. Like not, not you know not at all. <clears throat> I never thought about politics. I was always in business all my life, and uh, when I sold the company, uh, a group of people asked me to have a breakfast meeting, and I thought it was some sort of a business deal. And they said, we'd like you to run for mayor. I said, what? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing about being a mayor. <laughs> anyway, to make the long story short, there I was. <laughs> so I had uh, three terms, nine years. It was great. Well, it's interesting because that's how I, like, I, I was born in 1974, so I didn't know you played like I first knew you as a mayor and then it was like yeah he played football and I was like what really him too (laughs) (laughs) but it really is uh, odd and uh, you know it uh, I think back in those those days and uh, you know Don Getty and uh, Parker and myself and Johnny Bright and Rolly Miles Normie Kwong uh, you know they were such good friends, and we were friends on and off the field. Uh, the greatest comedian I'll ever meet was Normie Kwong, of course. Uh, the funniest guy I ever met was Normie Kwong, and a great fullback. So, what's uh, what was more grueling the, in your life, the football battles or the political battles? <laughs> well, of course, they're they're different. Football was always enjoyable to me. Politics, not so much all the time. But I do have to say that uh, those nine years that I was in in office uh, were the best nine years of my life. I enjoyed the good, the bad, the criticism, the applause to it. But uh, my wife sometimes used to say when they maybe write some criticism in the paper, how can you talk to those guys? And I'd say, Arlene, it's, it's not me, the, it's the office. I represent the office. It's not personal. And uh, that's those things just never bothered me. But I enjoyed so much of it, Reed. Well, that's awesome to hear Bill Smith joining us tonight. When you watch, and Bill, this I admit this might be a tough question, but I usually ask this sort of a question. When you watch football now, whether it's CFL, NFL, or whatever, how would you sum up the the biggest difference from when you played? I, I know the passing game has evolved uh, immensely, but I want to ask because maybe there's some other little detail that stands out for you. It's a very easy question to answer. Speed and size. The you know in the in the CFL when I played, the heaviest lineman ever were somewhere around 260. Now in the NFL, Canadian Football League, they got a fullback weighing 260 that can uh, run the 50 yards in in uh, 10 to 11 seconds. That's the difference: speed and size. The game is basically the same. It's passing, catching, and tackling. 
um, and with some a few spins to it. But it's the speed of today and size. And the great athletes that are playing football today are outstanding. They, you know, when you see some of those catches, those runs, it's uh, it's fantastic. And you know, the the CFL, uh, and I'm glad to see they excuse me, they announced the uh, schedule because for a long time there was such a void with nothing happening, no information, uh, hardly any publicity, and people started to forget about the CFL. So that really concerned me. So I was glad they came out with an announcement uh, on the schedule for 2021. Yeah, me too. And Randy's uh, Randy Ambrosi's being really optimistic about everything. I just double checked. Yeah, and like Mike Riley, who was the quarterback here, six three two thirty, and he plays quarterback. So he would have been one of the biggest guys uh, in in the league when when you played. Exactly. So it's size and speed. Do you uh, still take an interest in politics uh, on on any level? Do you still follow stuff and have an opinion? How's that side of your life? Oh yeah, pretty pretty well. Uh, I you know I, I support the uh, I support the old progressive conservatives and the new uh, and the new party. I support Jason Jason Kenney and uh, I've always been a conservative all my life, but uh, I'm not active at all. But I, you know, try to uh, support the candidate in my area and uh, try to support him a little bit financially. Have you ever uh, had a chat with Mayor Iveson? Oh yeah, a couple, a lot, quite a few times. Uh, uh, I think that. Uh, uh, He's done. He's been a, uh, I think, a great representative for Edmonton. Uh, you know, he uh, good-looking guy presents himself well, speaks well, and uh, you know, I disagree with some of the stuff on council. But I mean, as far as him being the representative of the city, I think he's done a he's done a great job. Yeah. Well, Bill, I really appreciate this perspective, and thanks for kind of intertwining your uh, your sports life with your political life because they're both uh, a big part of your your story. And thanks for taking us back uh, to the fifties and the sixties. That that was really cool. Well, listen, thank you, and uh, it brought it helped me bring back some memories. <laughs> awesome thank stuff. You. Take care, Bill. I hope we can do this again. All right, anytime. Thank you. That is Bill Smith checking in tonight as uh, as he joined the Green and Gold in 56, played until 63, and then uh, on he went well, to a life in business and then eventually became uh, the mayor of the city. Really cool to catch up with him, and he talked a little bit about Jackie Parker, one of the all-time greats. It is 7.50. What do I call a quick timeout? Is this the new one, Killin'? 
No, this is Airborne. No, that's Airborne. That was the uh, new ACDC for a second. Cowtown Bob writing in. He said, excellent. You had Bill Smith on regarding the 50s teams. In addition to the politicians who played on the team, there are several parks and city facilities named after some of those guys like Jackie Parker, Rolly Miles, Johnny Bright all have things named after them. Absolutely. That is uh, Cowtown Bob. Glad you enjoyed the interviews. I enjoyed doing them. That was uh, that was a lot of fun, and it was a nice way to celebrate the Grey Cup, even though uh, we're not having one, which is tough. So, uh, again, check out the uh, the, the schedule on uh, the ESCS website or 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Uh, go to the uh, EE football team Facebook page, the Spirit of Edmonton Facebook page, to get everything going on this weekend. Uh, don't forget the Canadian football cheerleaders, alumni organizations. Edmonton chapter has a virtual tailgate party uh, as well, so you can get the information there. And esks.com for the 50-50, which is open online from 10 to 8 on Sunday. And uh, so the winner gets half, and then the other proceeds go to the Winifred Stewart Association's Joey Moss Memorial Fund. So let's hope that 50-50 gets uh, nice and big to help out Joey's fund. Really cool. Bill Smith was on the show tonight along with Dave Campbell and Jordan Hoover. Thanks a lot to everybody who called and texted in. I hope you had a great week. Hope you have a good weekend ahead. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name is Reed. Take care. Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.